the been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. The word impeachment is a dirty, disgusting word. I didn't do a reason to be impeached. The only reason they're impeaching is because they look at the polls and they see Moody's just came out and said under all three scenarios, Trump wins easily. Massive damage in Dallas after a tornado hits North Texas Sunday night. People still assessing how much it will cost to rebuild homes leveled in the storm. For USA Radio News, I'm Robin Walensky. Hello, this is Wayne Allen Root, relentless conservative warrior, middle-class warrior, and always Trump warrior. I have a message for my fellow patriots across America. President Trump is making America great again. He's the only president in my lifetime who is keeping his promises, and his biggest promise is to build that wall. President Trump can only do it with our help. If Congress won't fund Trump's wall, we will. President Trump is one man against the world, and what globalists and socialists around the world want is clear, open borders. It's time to take a stand. We either build the wall, or it's the end of the greatest nation in world history ever blessed by God. That's why I founded the Root for the Wall Pack. 63 million Trump voters together will raise the money President Trump needs for the wall. Anyone who donates $100 or more will get a beautiful commemorative wall brick. Display it proudly. Call 844-ROOT-WALL. That's toll free. 844-ROOT-WALL. Or go to rootwall.com. We will build this wall together. Call 844-ROOT-WALL or go to rootwall.com. Root for the Wall Pack. Pay for it. It's responsible for the content of this message. Not authorized by any candidate or candidates committee. Rootwall.com. It turns out space exploration on the list of line items the Trump administration focusing on. Vice President Mike Pence setting high expectations for NASA. USA Radio's Tim Berg with the report. Vice President Mike Pence is announcing that the government is making exploration of Mars a goal for NASA. The vice president saying we need to get back to the Earth's moon. As President Trump has said, we will return American astronauts to the moon for the first time since 1972 for long-term exploration and use, not only to plant our flag and leave our footprint, but to establish a foundation for an eventual mission to Mars. With Apollo in the history books, the Artemis mission has begun, and we are well on our way to making NASA's Moon to Mars mission a reality. The Vice President speaking in Washington, D.C. For USA Radio News, I'm Tim Berg. This is USA Radio News. Is your relationship healthy? Are you on the right path? Do you need to change jobs? Whatever burden you seek to resolve, ask your granny. At Psychic Grannies, each medium has specific psychic skills, from talking to loved ones on the other side to relationship readings and more. Call Psychic Grannies to get your reading now, 702-248-1976, or visit them online at psychicgrannies.com. When you need answers, trust your granny. Friends, we all need a professional pest control service at times. So why not call the locals' favorite, Ultimate Exterminators, your number one locals' choice. Be sure to see all of the fantastic local reviews. Just go to your Google search bar and type in Ultimate Exterminators Las Vegas to get more information. It will take you right there. They offer quality services, a quick response time, five major license categories to serve you better, and now they even offer eco-green, environmentally friendly products. That's Ultimate Exterminators Las Vegas. 
At Sarah's Kitchen in the Klondike Casino, they feature timeless favorites like beer-battered cod, slow-roasted prime rib, and southern fried chicken. All right from Sarah's Family Cookbook. Sarah's Kitchen serves breakfast, lunch, and dinner and offers a late-night menu for you night owls. Check out Sarah's Kitchen at www.klondikesunset.com. They're at 444 West Sunset Road in Henderson. Sarah's Kitchen. Think of it as the best in home cooking without having to cook. Attention Trojan fans, KSHP will be broadcasting every USC football game this fall. Do you want to get in on the action? Become a sponsor. KSHP is offering incredible advertising packages. Your commercial could be aired during each game. Your logo could be on KSHP.com. Each package includes tickets to a home game of your choice. Email Mark Hayes at KSHP.com or call 702-221-1200 for information. Tune your dials to 1400 AM and fight on with the USC Trojans every week on KSHP. The thoughts and opinions expressed in the following program are those of the program's participants and do not necessarily represent those of station staff, management, and advertisers. Sports fans, you know the sports news. In a minute, you're going to hear the sports angle with your host, Rocco Kelly, on KSHP, 1400 AM in Las Vegas. For streaming options, go to KSHP.com. Now, turn up the volume and listen to Rocco Kelly and the sports angle. On KSHP 1400. Welcome to The Sports Angle. I'm your host, Rocco Kelly. We are here on AMP TV, A-A-M-P dot TV. Listen in on iHeartRadio and Spotify. Go to our website, thesportsangle.com. To listen to the show live, pick up some swag, and get information on past and future guests. It is time. The World Series. The Washington Nationals. The Houston Astros. I mean, that was a great ALCS. Before we really dig in, we dive into the World Series, which we most definitely will. Let me digress for a second. That game six, Houston Astros, New York Yankees. Now, I was watching this game with my family. As a matter of fact, I had a member of my family who is a New York Yankees fan, a very loyal Yankees fan, might I add, and the emotions that he showed. During that game. Man, it was up. It was down. (laughs) It was exciting to watch. At the Suncoast Casino, I was at their sports book. I sat down for the last two, two and a half innings. And I watched that game. I saw on the couch. I had a couple people around me. Some of them were Yankees fans. In fact, there was one guy who was very similar to my age. Who was born in New York. Alright, he was actually in Manhattan. And he was upset every time they struck out. He got excited every time the Yankees got a hit. 
the ninth inning when they had that home run by DJ LeMayfew. Man, it put everybody on their feet. If I remember exactly, DJ LeMayfew, he hits a drive to right to right field. Barely misses Carlos, uh, George Springer's glove and all the Yankees fans of the sportsbook got excited. Now, now, Sonar, can I have uh, can you can you turn up a little bit in my headphones real quick? I can't hear that much. Uh, yes. Okay, is that better? Okay. All right. Now. In the bottom of the ninth, when they brought in Chapman, the Yankees did. (laughs) There was this very odd situation where all these Yankees fans got excited. They were on their feet because they got Chapman on the mound. Me being a Chicago Cubs fan, I got immediately worried. Not just because of the fact that Chapman gave up a walk-off home run in Game 7 of 2016. But it's most importantly because I understand that in clutch situations, Chapman is not the best guy to have on the mound. So sure enough, the Astros are up to the plate. George Springer gets a single. Jose Altuve comes up to the plate. They have a runner on first. And you've got Jose Altuve. The five foot eight guy himself. And for some people who are Houston Astros fans, the captain of their team in the locker room, one of the leaders of their of their team. And sure enough, Jose Altuve, he hits a shot to left field. He hits the wall. They count it as a home run. You see George Springer with his hand up in the air. He is excited. He's celebrating. You could have heard a pin drop in that sports book. All the Yankees fans who were excited, they were chanting that they were going to go to a Game 7. They were going to go to the World Series. Complete silence. And there was just me laughing my head off and chuckling like a little kid in all of this silence. Because I saw this coming. I mean, Rose Chapman has had two walk-off home runs in his postseason career. 2016 Game 7 and then 2019 Game 6. Both elimination games. So Rocco, why are you telling us this? Not just the fact that I wanted to tell you the experience. But it's mainly the fact that Chapman, he might be a good closer. And more importantly, Chapman might be one of the best relievers that baseball has. He's definitely a fast pitcher. But you have to understand that it has been shown over the last couple of years that when you put Chapman in clutch situations, when you count on him to get the job done in important games, he doesn't get the job done. 
And there are New York Yankees fans who are upset. I get it. You didn't get to a World Series in a decade. This entire decade, you did not get there. But hey, don't worry. You still are the New York Yankees. You have one of the youngest lineups in all of baseball. And most importantly, you're the New York Yankees. You want to call in and give us your thoughts on the air, 702-221-7283, 702-221-7283. Uh, we have a caller on the line. Caller, identify yourself. Yeah, this is Daryl. Can you repeat that Hello? again? I'm sorry. This is Daryl Evans. Uh, Daryl Evans, yes, this is uh, great to hear from you. How, how's it going? Oh, I'm doing great. I tried to call you earlier, but nobody answered. So, anyway, yeah, how are you? Um, I'm doing good. It's definitely great to talk to you. Um, okay, now everybody knows about your baseball career, the decades that you spent in baseball. But what are you doing now? What is Daryl Evans doing right now? Well, um, I haven't been uh, formally in baseball for about three years now. For uh, so I, uh, you know, I basically stayed in coaching, managing. Uh, my son and I have a baseball uh, academy out in uh, in Beach, California, Southern California. I live in Fort Worth, Texas, so I go out there uh, once a month or so, and we we do the. So that keeps me busy, and um, uh, you know that's basically what I'm doing now, and enjoying life, and uh, still keeping up with baseball. You know, that's what I. You know, people ask me, you know, what what else are you doing? Well, that's what I've been doing for 50 years now, or whatever. So um, I enjoy it as much as I can, and it, I get to reminisce and and enjoy myself. Now, on the sports angle, we have Daryl Evans. He spent 21 years in MLB. He also was a World Series champion with the Detroit Tigers. He spent time with the Braves, Tigers, and Giants. Now, Daryl, now, do you what do you know about the robot umpires that are going to be uh, introduced in MLB very, uh, very soon? Uh, they've been... They have been getting used very briefly in the Arizona Fall Leagues and the Independent Leagues. Well, I basically know as much as everybody else, pretty much nothing. I don't know how that's... Um, uh, well, the one thing I don't think... I don't know how that's going to improve the game uh, because uh, I guess it's basically for the strike zone. But... Um, I think that's a unique part of the game that uh, is certainly, if it does get implicated, implemented, uh, it's it's going to take a lot of time to get used to that and to make sure that it's right and fair and everything else. It's um, as a player that that was part of what your game situation was, is to see how the umpire is going to be, what he's going to call, what he might not call, what uh, 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 so. I don't know. Uh, I think it's going to make it maybe too generic, and I think that uh, we need to have the human element still in there, obviously. And uh, uh, it's going to be a hard thing to implicate. Uh, there's so many plays that uh, happen that uh, 
are basically uh, adjustments. You know, the pitchers, uh, uh, as a player, the older I got as a hitter, and uh, I was pretty patient late, so I kind of established my own strike zone in a lot of ways, depending on whether how good the pitcher was uh, and how experienced he was. So that was part of the game, was, was figuring out how that was going to work out and, uh, and uh, you know, forcing pitchers to throw it where they, uh, where they don't want to and uh, feed off their mistakes. So uh, I don't know how that's going to make it better, but um, uh, that's one of the disappointments for me and the game is that we keep trying to make it uh, supposedly better, but I think that's... Uh, you can take it uh, too far. I like the I like I do like the replays. Um, I think uh, that all we want is to get it right. If there's uh, the strike zone and all that kind of stuff, I think that's just uh, something that uh, I don't know if you can you can really make that a perfect thing. With these replays, which and the with all the new elements of baseball and everything is being introduced like the robot umpires is it taking away the human factor of baseball not allowing human error is that something that MLB is starting to go away from having the human factor of the game well I think so and I think uh, you know this is supposed to be a game for the the players and the fans and um, um you know the technology and all that kind of stuff. Like I said, I think the replays. Um, you know, that's what the players want. They want you to get the, the play right uh, on the base. But as far as the the strike zone, uh, you know, who's going to arbitrarily say what uh, where where it ends up, where it's at? Uh, you know, is this knowing that uh, you know I go I played 15 years in the National League and then had to and went over to American League and had to learn uh supposedly the strike zone was higher and but that wasn't always the case and that was just kind of a myth and and now it's going to take some time to get used to for everybody I think the the pitchers aren't going to like it because the pitchers um uh, you know the play, the strike zone is supposed to only be 17 inches wide, and uh, it's never been it's never been 17 inches wide. It's always been wider than that. And and how are we going to do breaking balls and all those kind of things? So uh, where the ball moves, you know that's the key to the pitchers. The ball more movement, the better better chance you have to get uh, the hitters out. And and I don't know if we can trust that. So I think it's something that doesn't need to be done. And I'm I'm kind of disappointed that we always are trying to find baseball's trying to find something that's going to make it better. Uh, I think the the fun now to taking away so many things and breaking up double plays and and collisions and all those kind of things are bad enough to take away, but uh, just the other stuff too now is. And of course, it's a human game. I think that we all can accept that and know about that and. And uh, you know, I talk to pitch or talk to umpires and try to tell them, you know, one pitch can sometimes make a difference in the game, and they insist that it doesn't. But uh, it does enough. And as we've seen in the playoffs here, you know, one pitch is called a strike ball or whatever does change things. But um, I think we need to have that kind of an element in the game.
before it becomes just a generic thing. Uh, so, the, and, you know, we don't see arguments anymore or very much of that. And I think that's a, that's an exciting thing for, for the fans. And, and also, uh, you know, you're, you're dealing with human beings. So, uh, it's, it's part of your adjustment. You're on Sports Angle with Daryl Evans, a World Series champion with the Detroit Tigers. Now, the pitch clock. This has kind of been introduced in minor league baseball a couple of years ago, and now it's finally starting to get to the major leagues. Now, they're trying to speed up the game. They're trying to make it faster. Now, do you agree or disagree with MLB method of trying to speed up the game, trying to make it not as long as it used to be? I absolutely don't. Uh, you know, I explain it when I talk to people and stuff like that. So when you go to a, you go to a, an event that you're going to enjoy and all that kind of stuff, uh, just say you go to a concert. Do you want that concert to last only two hours or do you want it to be, do you want to see that, uh, last longer? And I think the, this has been going on for a long time and, uh, to me, it doesn't make any sense. Don't the, uh, the NFL or the, the MLB, don't they want to have more commercials? So the longer the game takes. And, uh, I don't know where they got the idea from wanting to make it shorter. Uh, it's the one game that doesn't have anything to do with the clock. And, uh, that, I think that's the beauty of baseball is that, uh, it's, you know, if you play nine innings, you get 27 outs, and you play longer if the game's tied. But otherwise, both sides get the same amount. Uh, I, I I really don't go along with any. I always try to understand why they want to make it shorter. Um, because of attention the fans. That's why, because people' attention spans are getting uh, smaller now. So they're trying to keep up with everybody because – I mean, I think I remember read recently that a kid's extension span is at least um, six seconds now. So that's <laughs> that's a very short attention span there. That's why they're trying to speed up the game. Well, I think that's a fallacy. I don't know why we've, have we had studies on that? Have we had have we, have we interviewed fans? I, I don't. I don't believe in it at all. In fact, I think that originally the reason why they wanted to shorten the game was because the press needed to get out of there. And when we watch 162 games, uh, a game that's not exciting all the way through, they'd rather get it done and get it over with. Uh, I don't believe that at all. Why? Why is the uh, I think, like I said, people come out there to watch a game end when it's supposed to end. And, uh, well, just look at the last game we played. Uh, you know, home run in the t- bottom of the ni- or top of the ninth, home run in the top of, in the bottom of the ninth. We didn't hear it. I don't know how long that game lasted. I guess it was almost four hours. Was there any complaint? No. There shouldn't be really complaints no. at all. And I, I think that's the thing. It's, the game, I, I don't get it. The game has been played for 150 years. People love it. Uh, I don't hear complaints. I mean, I, I don't know who's hearing these complaints. They're trying to figure out, um, you know, uh, it's more popular than ever. More people watch it on TV, you know, and the, the, 
it's full all the time. Well, the, the beauty to me of baseball is that the, in in September, your team's in the uh, in the in the running. The whole city, the whole area, everybody's going crazy. And I don't think that they think that. Well, I'm only going out to game. I think there's a couple places, maybe L.A., where the people leave early, come late, and leave early. But uh, I don't see that happening too many other places. And like I said, if I'm going to if I'm going to something, uh, you know, if I'm going to another, I want overtime in all the other sports. And in baseball, you would think that, uh, shoot, I'm going there at special time. I get to go playoff game, World Series, uh, if there's a game during a pennant race. I probably want it to last as long as I can. You know, I want my team to win, certainly, but uh, it's always – you know, more exciting when it comes down to the end, and uh, when you put a clock on things, it changes everything. Uh, you know, and and I, I mean, all the changes they've made have. I, I don't know. Has anybody really looked and said, "Well, you know, everybody loves that those changes"? Uh, I haven't seen that, but uh, you know, as a participant, uh, it's just uh, like I said, the game's been played for 150 years or more. It did pretty good, and now we're trying to change that. Uh, instead of, I don't know, the excuse, like you said, to uh, please the f- please who? The fans? I don't know. I don't hear that. But somebody does, apparently. Right, right. There's a very small part of the fan base that wants it to be speeded up. And the problem is that now and now, if there's a small group of people that want something done, it's going to get back yeah. to the people that are at the top. I don't agree with well, it, yeah. but that's just the way it is well, now. Well, of course, it's because the people that it's always the smallest, smallest uh, sample size that speak the loudest. And uh, like I said, you know, it's um, it's we're listening to the wrong people, and um, but. Yeah, we got to deal with it, I guess. I don't know why. I, like I said, I I would rather be at something exciting longer than shorter, and it just becomes such an arbitrary thing. You know, it's uh, the, the, I mean, the stuff that, uh, you know, the the uh, how many mound visits and all that kind of stuff. There's so much that goes on uh, that could be, you know, I mean, that's. I mean, it's almost like saying, well, people are stalling and stuff, but that's not true at all. Uh, there's so many times, you know, I played first and third. I There's times when you go to the mound and you need to go to the mound and, and you need to settle things down or, you know, so now we've gotten the pitchers to have to pitch fast, which is good. I think that's a good thing because I think uh, you could look at that and go, well, the pitchers that as we're going to see in the World Series, they all pitch pretty fast because, uh, anyway, but, and, you know, there's some slowdowns with some of the pitchers, but you know what? The, uh, the I think the thing about baseball, it's a cerebral game that there's so many things could go on. So if you're really into the game, uh, you're thinking along with the pitcher, you think along with everything else, and uh, to speed that up is, uh, you know, I think takes away from some of that. We have another caller on the line. A caller, identify yourself. Uh, this is Vegas Mike. Uh, Vegas Mike. 
Uh, Vegas Mike, what yeah. would you like to talk about? What would you like to ask? Could we have well, Darryl, Darryl Evans here on the show? Well, Daryl, let me say as a baseball fan, it's very exciting to talk to somebody with all your accomplishments. Well, thank you, Vegas, Mike. I appreciate that very much. Hey, tell me, uh, as, a, as a hitter, how did it feel to hit 400 home runs, or did you even dawn on you what you were doing when you hit 400? Did it even – could you sense that you were at 400 home runs, or did it not dawn on you until you were retired? Well, at the time, sure, we just start getting close. But uh, when I first got into baseball, I, had, I mean, there's – I don't think anybody says, "Well, we're gonna, you're gonna do this, you're gonna do that, uh, you're gonna accomplish something like that." But um, you know, it, it, it was always you're trying to improve and learn from the other players. And you know, I got to play, uh, you know, teammates with Hank Aaron for for six years, uh-huh. and Billy McCovey, right. and all those guys, but not just them. But it was learning how to do it better and more consistent and. No, I kind of look at it as, you know, we played 24 weeks, six months, four weeks. 24 uh-huh. weeks, you hit one week, you hit 24, that's, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good year. And those years that you hit uh, two a week, you hit 40. So it's, 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 um, it's not something you go out, I, I expected to do it because after a while it was like, you know, if I did things right, got, and the, you know, uh, that I that I expected to do that big home runs, but it wasn't. Uh, there wasn't a goal until you get close to, to go. Uh, you know, four hundred home runs would be great. And when I when I retired, for I had four fourteen, and when I retired, I was twenty second of all time. Uh, now I'm I don't know sixth or fifty fifth or sixth, whatever, something like that. So it was all relative, but um, it was a goal. To uh, you know, I, I you know people would say, "Well, you you try to hit home run every time." Yeah, I did, but uh, I I expected to because if I was if I did things right, uh, it was going to work out. But that was a goal to have, but that wasn't a reality check where you were disappointed if you didn't. So uh, I loved uh, I loved hitting home runs. I had- your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new Filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your Filtry air filters today at Filtry.com. Let's clear the air. Worried about mom or dad falling? The Symphony Medical Alert System from CVS Health helps make their home safer, even if you can't be there. Symphony works with voice activation or a care button they can opt to wear along with smart sensors for coverage around the home. With 24-7 emergency response and an app to tie it all together, you can monitor your loved one's well-being for enhanced peace of mind. Terms and conditions apply. Learn more about Symphony at cvs.com symphony or find it at your nearest CVS Health Hub. Enjoyed it. It was a special time, and uh, uh, I was just blessed uh, that I could... You know, I had the talent to do it, but uh, it took a long time to really feel comfortable doing that and, and learning how to do it. Well, Daryl, it, it's just such an accomplishment. I mean, I, I, people who've never played baseball probably don't understand it, and people who play baseball understand that's an achievement. But I got a curiosity question for you. You know, there's a lot of talk about the juiced baseball this year. 
and Rocco, maybe you were going to ask him about it, but I don't know. But, Daryl, do you think the baseball's juiced this year? And if you do, what do you think about that? Well, I think it's pretty evident that it is because uh, apparently they're using the same baseballs in AAA, and they set all-time records. I mean, they, I don't know, they doubled or tripled the home runs they hit down there. So, yeah, there's something to it, obviously. Uh, you know, uh, you still got to hit them, but at the same time, uh, uh, you know, one of the things like Hank, Hank, uh, I think, you know, 755 home runs. Well, I mean, just that's mind blowing, obviously. And, you know, that's averaging 38 home runs a year for 20 years. So, wow. I mean, it, it's mind blowing to, to feel that. But I think people think that he hit every ball perfect and, and he didn't, you know. But uh, with the ball, you know, he did balls that go on the first, second, outfitters go back, back and run out of room. He, uh, we used to enjoy that a lot, watching that happen. But uh, now with the balls, yeah, I, it, I'm sure they. I mean, because of those stats, I mean, it's provable that uh, if if it was just in the major leagues, you probably wouldn't know. But it, now they put it in the other leagues, and that happened there too. So, um, but you know, it, it's it's another thing we talked about for I guess for the fans because they, you know, I mean, I think people probably want offense more than until you get in the playoffs and in all its world series where you know you i mean a one-run game is you know one nothing game was exciting too but i think they they started doing that uh you know for a reason and you know i mean i think it's kind of gotten out of hand with what 200 two teams three teams hitting 300 home runs wait that's that's a so much more than ever before, and uh, so uh, you know, I mean, it's an exciting part of the game. It makes the pitchers different. Uh, I don't know if it makes the guys swing different. Uh, there's more strikeouts now, but I don't know. Um, as a hitting coach, I, I could tell you about that maybe a little bit more. But whether the pitchers are better, and now when you do hit the ball, they got to reward them because they they strike out so many times or they don't put the ball in players enough so uh, I guess it's a catch-22 in a lot of ways and uh, you know it's pretty exciting I mean look at what happened like a, you know like I said earlier uh, how you can't get much more exciting than the ninth inning uh, yesterday so uh, you know with the home runs and they're, what they're capable of doing and I think that's the thing too is that you know you know that uh, one swing and with and with the series coming up here uh, with a great 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 starting pitching that they got uh, they're still only one pitch away from making a mistake and, and giving up some runs so I guess it's a, it's a good time it's a good time to be a, a hitter probably right now yeah, Daryl Evans, you yeah, you would have probably had six hundred home runs if they'd have had the uh, kind of balls they have right now, I'll tell you that. Or you, you you might have been pushing that record up there. I'm sure you'd had a lot more with the juice baseball, no doubt about it. You were such a good hitter. Well, one of the things that really is pretty evident now and and, and the guys have played, you know, with when I played and in, in the eras we played and even the guys before, you know, uh and the 
and everybody kind of talks about this, is that the balls that go out to the opposite field, that, uh, you know, I mean, you see that every once in a while, and there was only a few guys that were capable. I mean, you know, they're going out 20, 30 rows to the, to the opposite field. That, that, that didn't happen very often. Um, and so now it's, uh, you know, the hitters are adjusted to that and know that, you know, if I hit it good, I can't hit it out to the opposite field. And, uh, you know, normally, uh, you know, the hardest balls you hit are the ones that you're going to get to the full side. Uh, now it's changed a little bit because of the ball. So, uh, you know, I mean, but heck, I, you know, I, I played in Detroit and, if you hit a ball to 439 feet to center, you're out. Uh, yeah. Played in, Fenway. played in Fenway, that was 30 rows up, and you know, so it, it uh, you know, it always depends where you're playing and 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 the conditions and all that kind of stuff, and and uh, so I guess that's what makes the grain break. There's never there's never going to be a time in baseball where uh, it gets. Uh, you know, it becomes automatic that uh, there's only things that we talked about a little bit earlier about the robot umpires, and uh, I don't think we want to have that. Yeah. Well, Darrell, uh, Rocco, can I ask him one more question? You know what? Ask one more question. There you go. Uh, all right, Darrell, I find this very fascinating. You were originally drafted in uh, one of the amateur drafts, I believe, by the New York Yankees in the second round. Uh, back in 65, is that correct? Well, actually, I was drafted five times. I was, I, I look back, I was in the first draft in 1965. Uh, and I was drafted five by five different organizations before I signed. Uh, if I, if there wasn't a draft, I probably would have signed at a high school because there would have been a little more of a, uh, of a, uh, different teams wanting you and and uh, that kind of stuff. So, you know, I got drafted, uh, yeah, by the, the Cubs and then the Yankees and Detroit and Philadelphia and finally signed with the Kansas City Eight. Uh, back then, too, uh, instead of having one one draft a year, there was if you got drafted, they they put you in another called supplemental draft six months later. And that was only for the players that had been drafted. Uh, so that, so that's why I got drafted so many times. And the reason I didn't sign was that uh, uh, they gave uh, they offered me eight thousand dollars all five teams, which was pretty amazing. Since uh, you know, I, uh, well, I, I was supposed to go to I was I was going to uh, UNC. Uh, baseball and basketball scholarship, and uh, at that time they were, you know, they won I don't know, nine out of ten into two A championship. But I didn't go there because if I went there, because the rules changed, if I went there, I couldn't sign till my junior year. So I went to junior college and uh, great and passed yesterday college, and we won the state and that, and, and and also I played for I played for Tark and the state champions in basketball also but uh so uh and going through all that i saw kansas city a's uh i look back and go yeah maybe things been a little bit different with the yankees but greg Nell was there cleveland was there all those kind of 
was third base run and stuff. And the reason, another reason I didn't sign actually is when at the Cubs, uh, Ron Santo was the third base in the big leagues, and my dad was smart enough to go. And uh, we better, you know, we, we better, they made her give us more money and be a little more interested in it because uh, he was in his prime. And then, uh, like I said, the Yankees had, I think they had Cleeport at the time, and then the Phillies had Dick Allen and, and so, you know, you look at those kind of things when you have a choice, but uh, it worked out great for me. I went to the A's, and I ended up actually was going to work a year behind Sal Bando at third base. So I got Rule 5 uh, drafted by the, by the Braves, and, and which was lucky for me because Sal played 20 years, too. So I luckily went over to the Braves and and new organization, and Cleet Boyer was the third baseman there for a few years, and then uh, I got my break when he when he uh, got traded. So um, things work out for the best all the time, and I got to play for my auto, Eddie Matthews, uh, who was the hitting coach who just retired in 1969 and, and then became the manager. So um, to play for your idol and the guy that you idolized in the coach and became my mentor and and uh, just spent so much time with me and uh, taught me how to play the game at the big league level. And so um, things worked out for the best. You never know, but uh, very fortunate. Well, I've, I've dominated this uh, with questions, and I apologize, Rocco, if I've over-dominated, but it's such a fascinating and talented man that you've got on there that I couldn't help but ask some questions. So, Daryl, thanks for taking my questions, and I'll go ahead and hang up, Rocco. Thank you so much, Daryl. Enjoy talking to somebody of your talent. Mike, Mike, thank you, but you know, you're right. I wish I I would have been nice to play 21 years in Yankee Stadium with that short right field porch. Hey, I'm a, Yankee I'm a Yankee fan. I'd love to see you there. I say somehow you'd have got 600 home runs, whether it was with the Yankees or Juice Balls. So that would have been one exciting. But it's just so exciting to know that you got 400 home runs. It's just an accomplishment okay. in itself. Anyway, thanks. Appreciate it, Daryl. Thanks, Rocco. All right. Thanks, Mike. Great. Now, now Daryl, the strength and conditioning – from when you played as opposed to now, there has been, if I remember correctly, triple the amount of injuries in 2019 as opposed to the past decade. Now, do you think that strength and conditioning is a main part of that, of the fact that injuries are happening on such a reoccurring basis, on such a frequent basis as it is now? Well, I think one of the the things that... uh well, that I'm most proud of is that I got to play for 21 years and uh, I think I'm 32nd uh, all-time games played. And I'm the second longest to never be on the disabled list. So uh, Tony Perez played longer than I did without being on a disabled list. But, um, yeah, we talk about that all the time. And, and my theory on that is that... Uh, uh, yeah, we 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 were different in that. Uh, uh, you know, I never understand is that why wouldn't they? Since all the injuries and all the kind of stuff, why wouldn't they ask somebody like Cal Ripken or Steve Garvey or myself or Greg Nettles or all the guys that played for so long? They don't ever ask us how we 
how we did our conditioning and why we stayed healthy and all those kind and we could play games all that time. Um, it's it's amazing that they've never asked any. Oh, maybe they had, but they haven't asked me. But um, I think that they're overtrained, and by that I mean, uh, you know, after a ball game, I certainly was. My first thing wasn't going to go in there and, and lift weights, and because my body was tired and I needed uh, twenty four hours or whatever, eighteen hours to recover now it seems to me that they go in and they work out or they get up the next day and work out and i mean i don't think it's a secret that uh, when you when you work out you you tax your muscles and and that's the way you make them grow and all that kind of stuff and i think right well yeah i think oh there's no question because um we never heard about a uh um abdominal injuries. I don't remember ever having anybody go out and I pulled my obliques or anything, and I think that's a pretty common, uh, and, you know, that's a load-bearing area, so maybe that's because they do too much. Uh, I I learned, uh, and asking basically from the guys, uh, you know, that played with before, um, when I first started playing, the guys were still working in the wintertime because we we had have another job. We weren't, they weren't making, especially guys before me, they weren't making any money. So, you know, barely could make it. So they had to go out and get a job and didn't really work out in the wintertime in baseball, certainly. And I think one of the fortunate things that happened for me the first two years I played, well, first three years I played in Atlanta, I worked out. And I had to get a job. I mean, what job can you get for three months or four months in the winter type? So I went down to the to the truck docks and worked uh, and worked there and, and taking taking stuff in and out of trucks and lifting and all that kind of stuff, which is kind of a natural thing and not a weightlifting thing so much. But the thing that I understood after a while was that I ran in the winter time. I I, uh, I ran three to five miles a day, uh, six days a week, and I ran. It wasn't planned. I just ran until I was uh, felt like I, I I got a good workout in, and I guess in the long run, it was conditioning my whole body at the same time, and you realize that uh, baseball is a marathon. Uh, it's uh, So you go to spring training, and you, you're there for six weeks, two months, whatever, and you're trying to get in baseball shape. You know, you, you take ground balls in and you hit and then you're running and you're doing, getting up and down and you're doing all the things you do for the during the season. And it's not a specific kind of a task to, uh, to work on one part of your body or another. So the running made it made it better because the first day of spring train or the first day of the season, you hope you get through spring training when you're not injured. And you're feeling really good, and um, and your body's you know is at its peak probably, but uh, you probably will not feel that way ever again before the season's over with, because you're because like I said, you know your 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 body's getting beat up all the time, whether you're having a good year or not. I mean, having going four for four is 
your body's going to be beat up and doing all those things. So it was more recovery thing. And then, you know, you throw in the factor that you, you're flying twice, you know, three times or a week most of the time. And your body clock and uh, right, you become a night. Right. Yeah. So, I, you know, we we didn't have the studies or anything else, and we didn't really have the the training staff. And now, you know, they've got uh, they've got all that stuff. And I, I'm, you know, I'm sure it's a good thing. But um, I think that I think it's responsible in some ways. I mean, they they want to do what's best for. The players, but I think they've got them too close to being uh, to getting hurt. And you get hurt when you do something, you slip, you trip, you whatever those kind of things. You swing to or swing and miss, and all those kind of things that you do. And uh, if you're close to and you're and you're too probably too uh, too close to being at hundred percent. Uh, I think that's a factor. Uh, I don't know for sure, but uh, like you said, back uh, back when I played, there wasn't. We kind of had to figure out on our own and learn from the players that played before us. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I, they need they need to do something about that because the players need to stay on the field. And and I think too, sometimes they keep players from playing. Uh, I, like I said. Um, we never needed a rest. I mean, guys hated to be out of the lineup. Now it's, well, they get guys days off and they. Right, they take a day off or a rest day. Well, yeah, I don't understand that because I think one of the things that our bodies got used to was doing it every day. And it's a hard thing to do, obviously, and not many people could do it, but I think that's, um, that was. Just the the way you conditioned yourself, the way you uh, pushed through, and yet, I mean, the difference between I was talking about, you know, the difference between whether you're hurt or you're injured. And we played hurt. We were expected to play hurt, uh, not to be injured, obviously. But I mean, there was something really. But uh, that was just kind of the mindset. So we we probably played through some things that we should have done. You know, I had. You know, I like I said, I never was on a disabled list, but you know, I I never broke anything bad enough. I had some fingers and broken ribs, and and once in a while pulled muscles, but not very often. Uh, I just you know you couldn't afford to pull muscles because you didn't get to play, and somebody else take your job. So um, I think maybe mentally it was a way uh, that we had to uh, you know that was part of the job figuring out how you could get through all that stuff. And then, of course, you know, I mean, the injuries come. There's nothing you could do about it. Uh, I remember, you know, Eddie Matthews told me, go, you know, don't, uh, you know, don't let, I mean, don't get hit by the ball. I mean, there's times, sure, maybe the World Series when you're going to take and, and let the ball hit you. But, you know, if you hit the, let the ball hit you and hit you in the wrong spot, you're out. So uh, it, wasn't, it was a little different mindset. Uh, things are a little different, and I, I think uh, they haven't uh, understood that uh, maybe they ought to listen to the guys that did it before and uh, at least get some ideas from them. Should maybe some do that? Should MLB or should the players, because of all the frequent injuries and all of the 
this they all the amount of people who are on this table list. I mean, heck, the Yankees this year had nearly an entire roster in itself on the disabled list at one point. Should MLB go back to the strain conditioning that you did during your time, so, like what you said, why like you would work in the winter at the truck docks or you would run a couple of miles six days a week? If MLB players went back to that type of strain conditioning, would it reduce the amount of people on the disabled list? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I would. I mean, if you look back and you know, and talk to all the guys that played a long time, uh, I'm sure it wasn't all the same. But uh, yeah, it worked back then. So, but you know, it's it's they they you know they have the strength and condition. They have all these guys that we didn't have that are trying to help. You know, I mean, I'm not saying they're they're hurting the players. It's just that um, the understanding of you know, of how your body gets ready to play. And, uh, you know, working out in the wintertime, I, I mean, I didn't swing the bat very often. I, I didn't swing a bat till I don't know, to a week, maybe hopefully a week before spring training started. Because uh, now it's like, you know, they're, they're working out 12, you know, 12 months a year. And, and to me, it's, it's, uh, you know, if you're doing the right things, that's good. If you're not, then you're doing the wrong things, and you and you're kind of hurting yourself. So, I guess there's a fine line there, and um, uh, you know, I can't you can't guarantee it. And some people are hurt. You know, when I talk to the pitchers, the great pitchers that I've played against and faced, uh, you know, there's no complete games anymore because they because the players now are not allowed to throw. All the pitchers back then, they they pretty much at least played catch every day. They threw every day. They didn't take any time off uh, from throwing. And now, man, you throw sixty pitches, and you and it's like, oh my gosh, you know, we can't push them any farther. And they do that at a young age, so that's all they stress their body for. And so now, when you push them. I think the injuries come into play and all that kind of stuff, and I'm more worried about that, obviously. And and so, you know, it's I mean, we hear so much about pitch counts and all that kind of stuff. Well, uh, and we have well, one of the things now too, the pitchers heck, they can get Tommy John and come back. Uh, and you had that injury like that back then, you were done. So, so it's good and bad, um, and. You know they got the best people trying to figure that stuff out, and and uh, works with some, some it doesn't work with. So I mean, you got to, you know, you got to like look at a guy like Kuhls, uh, who's man, he's still he's still a great player and great hitter and everything. He played a long time, and he's had a couple injuries, I guess, along the way. But uh, well, he's still going. He's playing with some and. And you know that's another thing in, ba- in baseball, particularly. I mean, when you're when you get thirty years old, they think you're old, and you're about ready to fall apart. And and I think everybody's different. Some people mature later. Some people learn how to to uh, you're not pacing yourself, but you know when to go. Uh, you know what you got to do. And to me, it was getting my rest. That was the most important thing. Is making sure I I you know I got some time to 
recover. Um, so, and yeah, you know, we used to play double headers and stuff. Man, Sunday double header, get on a plane, go someplace else, and uh, at least sometimes we had Mondays off. But my gosh, it was like, uh, okay, well, am I going to take a day off? No, that was something we just didn't do. So, uh, I, don't, I don't know. Your, your brain, I think it's, you know, I think it's your own. Everybody's different, but uh, I think it's much mental part of it is just as important as the, the physical part. Okay, we have a couple of minutes left here on the sports thing. We're here with Daryl Evans, 21 years in MLB, was a World Series champion with the Detroit Tigers. Now, MLB, for the last couple of years, have had what they call Players Weekend, where players get to have nicknames on the back of their jerseys, and... If I remember correctly, you have with the Atlanta Braves. You had the nickname of Howdy, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Howdy Doody. Yeah. So if yeah, they had MLB was... Players Weekend back then, would have that been the nickname that you would have had on the back of your jersey, or would have it been something different? Well, in Atlanta, uh, yeah, my my nickname was Howdy Doody. And so I would have had duty. And in fact, uh, Ted Turner tried that before anybody else did. And, uh, yeah, I think that was, well, he took over in 76. So, yes, because, and so his idea was we, we had gotten Andy Messersmith, who was a big time free agent, one of the best pitchers of all time. And, um, we had gotten him as a free agent. And Ted got the idea that uh, because he had t- uh, TBS at the time, which was wasn't cable yet, but it was it, you know it just started going out to the whole country, and it was Channel 17. So he got the idea. I think that was the whole point was we have our nicknames are on the back, and I'm and Andy Messersmith was number 17, and so he put Channel on the top is his nickname so he could get some free advertising, I think, more than anything. <laughs> that lasted one day. Uh, they, uh, Major League Baseball back then was not very, they didn't, they didn't like that, uh, for whatever reason. But anyway, so that, so that's kind of funny. And then, uh, yeah, you know, everybody gets nicknames from different things after, you know, when I, I got traded to San Francisco after seven, eight, Years uh, or eight years, uh, seven and a half years in Atlanta, and then when I got to San Francisco, uh, my nickname became uh, became Hoover. Uh, Vida Blue gave me that nickname for my, I guess, defense and stuff like that. But so it's funny because I can, if somebody I see that I a former player or even played against. Uh, I could tell which team I played with by their how they come up and call me Hoover or Duty or all those and you know they're all terms of endearment obviously and and um, I always thought that was kind of a fun thing to do uh, and uh, I think it makes it more human for the people for the fans to see that uh, you know that's that's how we treat each other and and uh, it's a fun thing to do so I. I yeah, I kind of enjoy it. It's kind of interesting to see who has what what nickname. Well, Daryl, uh, thank you for being on the Sports Angle. Very quickly, I'm going to have you uh, tell everybody where they can find you and what you uh, where they can find you. 
Well, I I don't. I had a. Uh, I well, I live in Fort Worth, Texas now. I've been here about seven, eight years, and uh, originally from Southern California. And uh, but uh, I don't have uh, a business right now going on. But um, uh, you know, uh, I guess you can you can find me on a typical Facebook, LinkedIn, all those kind of things. Like, I'm on those places and love to hear from people. And and I still I. I I still get some some mail every almost every day, and so uh, I always love hearing from the fans and and I appreciate all all the kind words and everything else. So, um, well, you didn't even ask me who I'm rooting for, so I'm going to tell you anyway. So, I I would like I think I'm rooting more for the Nationals because. One of the things I enjoyed so much was playing 15 years and then winning a World Series finally, or going to World Series and winning World Series in Detroit. And what it did was it made everybody in Michigan and everybody that's a Tiger fan part of your team. And the the parade and all that stuff, it makes, it makes the community, it makes every fan, everybody happy. So I kind of root for the teams that haven't been there. And the Nationals have never been there before. So um, it's going to be a great series. It is definitely going to be a great Do you wonder where your food comes from? More and more people do. America's corn farmers work hard every day to grow a crop that you can be proud to serve your family. And they're doing it with an eye towards sustainability, caring for water, air, soil, and resources that fuel healthy families and more sustainable products. Take a look to find out how farmers in rural America work to make life better for all of us, from cities to their rural communities. Learn more at ncga.com. NCGA, a commitment to the future. This is Michael J. Fox. With your support, we can end Parkinson's once and for all. Get involved at michaeljfox.org. The Michael J. Fox Foundation. Here until Parkinson's isn't. 